Our focus in Scripture this morning will be on uh, becoming a friend uh, with God. Becoming a friend uh, with God. We'll be noticing several verses together in support of this theme. There are different individuals in the Bible that had a very close relationship with God. I appreciate that good song we were singing a few minutes ago, uh, Near to the Heart of God, that expresses friendship to God, of course. And there are several uh, Bible people who had that sort of relationship with God. We know that Acts uh, thirteen twenty two mentions David being a man after God's own heart. We also recall that Abraham is called a friend of God, James 2 and verse 23. We know that Noah walked with God, and we also know that a man by the name of Enoch walked with God. We know that many Bible people like Joseph and Paul and Peter and others grew to be very, very close to our Lord. It's an amazing thought, isn't it? We're just singing our God who is powerful, our God is alive. It's an amazing thought that the all-seeing, all-knowing, all-powerful God, the perfect God, the, the most holy, the high and holy name, Houston mentioned in prayer, the most holy God seeks to have friendship with us who at best we're sinful, we're finite, we, we misunderstand, but yes, that's his desire to have friendship with us. And so together this morning, let's notice several suggestions that can help us to be friends with God, becoming friends with God. First of all, we must do what He says to be His friend. We must do what He says. John chapter 15, verse 14, if you notice in your Bible, Jesus says, You are my friends if you do. Whatsoever I have commanded you. Notice that in John 15, 14. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I've commanded you. And then the flip of that, John 14, 15, Jesus also says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. John, 15, 14, John 14, 15. So notice John 15, 14 and 14, 15. Jesus said, If you love me, then keep my commandments. If we're going to be friends with God, we've got to do what he says. Notice this even more specifically in Ephesians 2 verse 19. One of the great chapters in the New Testament that really brings home salvation in Christ. Ephesians 2, especially verse 19, where Paul says, you no longer are, are strangers or aliens, but rather you are fellow citizens with the saints and you are members of the household of God. You see, you are friends and family with God now. Now, now back up in Ephesians 2, Look at verse 13. It says, you know, those who are far off were made near by the blood of Jesus. That's wonderful news. And then Ephesians 2 and verse 16 says that Jesus has reconciled both Jew and Gentile into one body uh, through the cross, by the cross, destroying the hostility that, that was bet between man and God through the cross. God has now reconciled us into, into one body. And then again, Ephesians 2, verse 19. You were once strangers, you were once aliens, but now you are fellow, citizen fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. Now, a very happy thought is that this very book, Ephesians, tells us uh, what we must do uh, to become a friend with God. Notice Ephesians 5, 26 says that Jesus cleansed the church 
through the washing of water uh, with the word. The word there refers to the teaching of Jesus. There is no other instruction known to man that can lead us from earth to heaven other than the instruction, the teaching of Jesus. So it happens by listening to Jesus. And then the washing there in Ephesians 5, 26, of course, refers uh, to the washing of baptism. Okay. Like uh, it said in 1 Peter 3, 20, 21, the light figure whereunto even baptism doth also now save us. And it's like what uh, Paul writes in Galatians 3, 26 and 27, we are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ uh, did put on uh, Christ. And so notice the process there. Notice the method of accessing the wonderful work that Jesus did on the cross. Notice we listen to his word, and that word says submit to him uh, through faith and baptism. And then we can start our journey uh, to heaven, and we also can become a friend uh, with God. Now, a couple of thoughts about doing what he says here. When we become friends with God, that doesn't mean that we're equal with God. It never will mean that. We'll never be equal with God. Okay. Even though we can become friends with God, and He is our friend, and we can be a friend to Him, He is still our creator. He's still our maker. He is still our shepherd. He's still our redeemer. He's still our judge. He's still our savior. Okay. He's, he is still... Uh, the Lord God, the Lord God Almighty. He is still holy, holy, holy. But nonetheless, He wants to be our friend. That's the amazing part of this thought. Even that one we know, the one to whom we bow, the one who dwells in a place that's much higher than us, He wants to be our friend. And it can totally happen because of His gracious love and because of the cross, and because of our submission to him. Think about this. Jesus, when he was on earth, according to John eight twenty nine, he did all things that were pleasing in the sight of God. All things. And Jesus wants us to follow his steps. When Jesus came out from the waters of baptism, Matthew 3, verse 17, God spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. In whom I am well pleased. And so in doing what God says, we want to just simply follow the steps of Jesus. In other words, God doesn't expect anything out of us that he didn't expect of his own son. Think about the friendship factor and the idea of doing what he says. When we obey God, it is not from, from force it is not from compulsion. It is out of gratitude. It is out of love. Be turning your Bibles to John 15. Let's read a couple of things about this. When we obey God, it is centered on what He has done for us and on His incredible love for us and the love we have back to Him. Read with me in John 15 verse 9 and following. John 15 verse 9. Jesus says, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. Verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy 
may be in you and that your joy may be full. So notice the Lord wants us to know about love, abide in his love. If we abide in his love, we'll keep his commandments. But the end of this process is that he wants the joy that he has to be in our lives. That's friendship. So first, to become friends with God, we must do what he says. Secondly, to become friends with God, we must tell him all of our heart. We must tell him all of our heart. But you see, God started this communication process. If you're still in John 15, look at verse 15. Look at John 15, verse 15. God, God started this, this uh, communication process. Notice what Jesus says there. He says, I no longer call you servants only, but I call you friends. Why is that? Because a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But Jesus says, I call you friends because all that I have heard from the Father, I have made known to you. Folks, that's the basis of friendship. That's the basis of any friendship. That's the basis of our relationships in the church. If it doesn't start with, with honest communication, it will never go any further. And we see this from the example of the Father and of Jesus here. So the Lord started this communication. He wants to hear back from us in prayer. And so to become friends with God, we've got to tell Him all of our heart. Now, it is certainly proper and it's commanded by God that we assemble on the first day of the week. And that we give him our, our love together at this appointed time on the first day of the week. And the other assemblies of the church. And it's certainly appropriate for individuals to carve out a time on their daily calendar and have a special devotional time with their Lord. But you know what? The Lord wants to be more to us than, than a place on the calendar. He wants to be more to us than than someone being fit into our schedule. He wants to hear from us all the time. The Lord wants to be included in, in our thoughts. The Lord wants to be included in all of our activities. The Lord wants to be included in all of our relationships. The Lord wants to be included in our habits. He wants to be included in every problem that we might have. He wants to hear from us all the time, all the opportunities that we have. Notice how prayer is described to us in the New Testament. First Thessalonians 5:17, pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. And then, then notice Paul in Philippians 4 verse 6, in everything in everything, notice the words there. Notice that word. In everything through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. In everything. In everything. 1 Peter 5 and verse 7, cast all your care upon him, for he cares for you. See, the Lord just wants to hear from us all the time. All the time. And notice this one, especially in Ephesians 6 and verse 18, where Paul says we ought to be praying all the time. We ought to be praying with all sorts of prayers, prayers and supplications, requests and thanksgivings. We're praying with all prayers. We ought to be praying for all the saints, every one of them. How many saints do you know? How many Christians do you know? That can fill up an entire life of prayer right there. Pray for all the saints and pray with all perseverance, all determination. You see, the Lord wants to be hearing from us all the time. And so if we want to be friends with him. We, he's got to hear from us. We've got to tell him all of our heart. That's what Jesus did. You know, we read in Luke 4, 16 that Jesus had a custom of, in his day of showing up on the Sabbath day 
in the synagogues in order to participate in worship. But we also know that Jesus spent a lot of time at other times, uh, spent a lot of time talking to the Lord. Mark 1.35 says he got up way, way before daylight, went out into a place all by himself, and there he prayed. Luke 6.12 says Jesus prayed all night long, all night long. If we want to be friends with God, we want to draw near to God, then we've got to tell him all of our heart. Number three, to become friends with God, we've got to meditate on his word. We must meditate on his word. We're going to be friends with him. Now, if you take a problem and cons- or a concern, if you take a problem or concern and you, you put that thing in your mind and you just mull over it all the time, every hour, every day, day and night, you just you mull over that problem or concern all the time, that's called worry. That's called worry. And Jesus doesn't want us to do that. Philippians 4, verse 6, be anxious in nothing. Okay. But if you take God's word and you put it in your mind and you mull over it all the time, every hour, every day, throughout the day and night, that's called meditation. And God does want us to do that. For example, concerning the man of God mentioned in Psalm number 1, look at Psalm number 1 in verse 2. In his law does he meditate day and night. That's what a man of God does. The man of God meditates in the, in the Lord's law day and night. Add to that Psalm 119 verse 97 where David says, Oh, how I love the law of God. It is my meditation day and night. You see, we know how to meditate because we know how to worry we know how to meditate because we know how to worry. The thing is, we've just got to switch. We've got to switch from concentrating on our problems and concerns and concentrating on Bible verses. That's what we've got to do. That's what we must do. And you see, the more that we meditate on God's Word, the less worry then that will be in our lives, and the less we will be in a disobedience to the Lord. Now, in order to meditate on God's Word, we've got to practice this. We've got to make it a, a habit. Okay. We've got to work at it. And it's different for different people, but certainly, when you think about God's Word and all that's in God's Word, we can take snippets of God's Word, write them down, and keep them with us all throughout the day. And there's a lot of little summary statements that we can keep with us, and there's more of these than you might think. For example, most of us know Psalm 23, verse 4, Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Well, write that down and and keep that with you, and then say that. Say that uh, throughout the day. What about Psalm 19, uh, 14? A little prayer there uh, says, "May, May the words of my mouth... And the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. There's a lot in that little verse you can meditate upon. What about when Jesus says in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things that we worry about will be added unto you. What about meditating upon that? What about when Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. What about Matthew 16, 26, when Jesus said, you know, 
What should it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? There's so many little snippets of scripture that can be written down and eventually you can know them by heart and then you can keep them with you all day long meditating upon his word. You know, back in Deuteronomy 6 when God was instructing the parents to teach their children, he said actually three things, Deuteronomy 6 and 6 through 9. He says, first, I want you to teach them. Well, first, sorry, first, okay, I'm getting a little... Forgetful there all of a sudden. First, dummy, first, that word has got to be in your heart. Then, secondly, you've got to teach them to your children. And then you've got to talk of them every day. Whether you get up, whether you're walking by the way, whether you're sitting down, whether you're going to bed at night and getting up. And then you've got to write them down. That's what he said. You've got to write them down. And when you write them down, put them on the doorpost, put them on your gates. Put them on your gates. Can you imagine walking into the gate of your property and there's a big scripture right there. That's what he's saying. And we can do the same thing. Oh, that we just had banners. Banners right over there and right over there and right back there on that wall. Just scripture. Scripture. And those banners just changed every day. What about, in your, what about on your phone? What about on your phone? I'll tell you. You can click on your phone, click on your device, and you can shade and you can bring a verse up. And that's fine. But that doesn't get into your mind near as fast as actually writing the words uh, down. If we want to become friends with God, we've got to meditate on His Word. And then number four, if we're going to become friends with God, we've got to practice being in His presence. We've got to practice being in His presence. Is the Lord close by? He is. He is. It would be hard to find a place where the Lord is not. Lord is close by. Even in Acts 17, 27, when Paul was addressing those idolaters in uh, Athens, he said, the Lord wants to be close to you. He's not very far from you. If you will seek after him, for in him we live and move and have our very being, Acts 17, 27 and 28. The Lord is not so very far from an unbeliever. If an unbeliever will just change his heart and change his ways and, and um, improve his education, then the Lord can be even closer to him. But certainly with Christians, the Lord is close by. Hebrews 13, uh, 5 and 6 says, He will never leave us nor uh, forsake us. Paul says in Philippians 4 and verse 5, The Lord is at hand. He is close by. Several years ago when we were first married, we had the opportunity to be around a great uh, couple from South Africa, a gospel preacher and his wife, Preacher's name is Claude Flynn. Claude Flynn. I believe Claude has a son by the name of Dorian. But um, they've done great work uh, all around the world. But we had opportunity to be around Claude and, and his wife a few times. And Claude would lead the, the greatest prayers. And one of the common things he would say in his prayers was this. He would say, Lord, make us keenly aware of your presence today. Lord, make us keenly aware, sharply aware of your presence today. Wouldn't that make a difference in your day? Wouldn't that make a difference in the world? Wouldn't that make a difference? How many people would say bad words if they understood how close the Lord is? How many people would commit that adultery if they, if they knew the Lord was close by? How many people would take that drink if they knew the Lord was actually close by? What a great prayer. Lord, make us keenly aware 
of your presence today. And we've got to practice that. And that, that happens by changing our attitude. Be turning over with me to Colossians 3 for just one moment. Colossians uh, 3, Paul addressing the issue of uh, slaves who have become Christians. But the attitude change is that whatever you do, remember you are doing it for the Lord. If we can remember that throughout the day, if we can remember that even when we are doing the most common task, remember we're not doing this for ourselves, we're not doing it for somebody else. We're doing this for the Lord. And Paul expresses this very clearly here in Colossians 3, Colossians 3, 22. Slaves, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Verse 23. Whatever you do, work in a heartily way as for the Lord and not unto men, as for the Lord. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance of your reward, you are serving the Lord Christ. Whatever those slaves were doing for their masters, being Christians, they were actually doing it for the Lord. If we can remember that, if we can change our attitude and remember that throughout the day we are meditating on His Word and we're constantly praying to Him, at the same time, whatever it is that we're doing, we're doing it, we're doing, we're doing for the Lord. We're doing it for the Lord. And we're never leaving His presence. You know, you, you don't have to go away to draw near to the Lord. You don't have to get away. You don't have to get away to draw near to the Lord. That has been a, a misinterpretation of, of life. It's nice to go to the mountains. It's nice to go somewhere where you haven't been in a while. And perhaps that can refresh your spirit a little bit, but you don't have to do that to draw near to the Lord. You can be drawing near to God all the time. That's how we become friends with the Lord. And then the fifth place, we become friends with God by being honest with Him, by choosing to be honest with Him. Just like communication, this is another high factor in friendship of any sort, and that is honesty. Communication and honesty go hand in hand. We must be honest with God. We must be honest with our feelings. With our feelings. A little passage in Psalm 142 by David in verses 2 and 3 that's interesting. Psalm 142, 2 and 3. David says, I have let my complaint be known to the Lord. In fact, he says, I have poured out my complaint to the Lord. See how honest he was with the Lord? I have told him all of my troubles, he goes on to say. And then he says this, he says, and when I am faint, when I am fainting in my spirit, when I'm weak, he knows that too. He knows that very well. We must let the Lord know of all of our feelings. We must be honest with him. The truth is, most of us have some uh, thoughts we need to confess to God. Most of us at some point in life, we have some resentment some bitterness, some anger that builds up toward God because of how life has turned out. We feel we have been cheated. We are disappointed in God. And I'll tell you something, there's nothing that will draw a barrier between you and God quicker than that right there. And we must tell first tell Him how we feel. And then secondly, we must step forward in maturity and realize 
that God is not to blame for our pain. And also realize that whatever He does, He always acts in our very best interest. And He knows that better than we do. And so in being honest to God, we've got to step forward in maturity, tell Him how we feel, but then also tell Him we're going to do better. We're going to do better in realizing that He is the Lord. And whatever He sends our way, we'll be just fine because we know that will help us to grow. We've got to be honest with Him. Not only honest with our feelings, but also honest with our sins. Honest with our sins. We think we can hide our sins because we hide our sins from other people. We do it so much that we think that works with God. But, of course, that's not true. Galatians 6 verse 7 says, notice this very carefully, God is not mocked. The games that we play with ourselves and with others cannot be played with God. It doesn't work that way. We think when we look at the world that they are getting away with things. Staying right there in Galatians 6, you'll see nobody is getting away with anything. But we sometimes, we reason in our minds that the world is getting away with things and so therefore we need to become more like them. That is, of course, not the way to go. Notice continually there in Galatians 6, God is not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that we also reap. He that sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit of God shall of the Spirit reap everlasting life. Don't become weary, brethren, he says. For in due season we shall reap if we do not faint. We think that because of our good intentions and because of other good things that we do, that there are certain sins that we can just ignore or that will be ignored but that we've got another thing coming there as well. You see, we can't judge others based on their actions and judge ourselves based on our good intentions. It doesn't work that way. God is not mocked. We must be honest with Him with our feelings. We must be honest, to him, honest with Him with our sins. And then moving on, we need to realize that to become friends with God in the sixth place to become friends with God, we've got to love what He loves. That's what we do with friends. What's important to a friend, as long as it's not unscriptural, as long as it's not immoral, but what's important to a friend becomes important to us just because of the nature of friendship. Then we, come, we step back and we say, what's important to God? If we're going to become friends with God, we've we got to say, what is it that He loves? And that has to become our love. Whatever makes him grieve needs to make us grieve. Whatever makes him happy needs to make us happy. His agenda must become our agenda if we want to be best friends with God. Psalm 69.9 is also applied to Jesus when he cleansed the temple. But notice Psalm 69 verse 9. It says, the zeal of the Lord has eaten him up. Or... To say it another way, the zeal of the Lord has consumed him. You see, Do you think that the Father's agenda was also the Son's agenda? Absolutely. And that's why they were so close. That's why they were so close. 
must love what he loves. And so we ask, what is it that makes the father most happy? Well, we know the answer to that. When his lost children are found and brought home, that makes him most happy. Luke 15, 7, even so there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people that never go astray. That's what makes the Lord happy. We know that. That's why Jesus came, Luke 19, uh, verse 10. He came to seek and save that which was lost. His agenda must be our agenda, of course. And then finally, if we're going to be friends with God, it has to be our very top priority. It has to be our running desire. It has to be our moving desire, our greatest desire to be friends with God. If it's not our greatest desire, we'll never get there. We're as close to God right now as we have chosen to be. We will be as close to God as we choose to be. Friendship with God is a choice. It's not an accident. It just doesn't happen. It doesn't happen because you show up. It doesn't happen because you stay away. It happens because you choose it to happen. It has to be our greatest desire. Sometimes that desire is lost. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he sent this message to the church at Ephesus in Revelation 2. The desire had been lost. You have left your first love. You must repent. You must remember. Where is it you started falling? You've got to go back, repent, and start doing those first works out of love again. Becoming friends with the Lord. So very possible. It's one of the most amazing thoughts in all of Scripture. We invite you this morning to become a friend with God. Let's all stand and sing at this time.